Good morning, church. If you have your Bible, open it up to 1 Corinthians, and we are going to be um, looking mostly in that passage, but we will be moving around just a little bit uh, to some different places. We've been doing a study on heaven, and we've had a few lessons on heaven, and the first lesson we had was we get all of our truth about what heaven is going to be like from God's Word. That's the foundation. Then we looked at what um, um, the eternal city will be like. And then last week we looked at what will we be doing in heaven for all eternity. Is it going to be monotonous? And we looked at God's plan for us as, as we're going to be uh, having work to do as well. We'll be active. And today what we're going to look at is what will we be like? What will our bodies be like? Um, and there's some different ideas about this because I just chose some pictures and threw them up there just to illustrate the ideas. Uh, some, some thoughts that you might hear are that our, in eternity our bodies will not, they'll be immaterial, it'll be like ghostly, it'll be like a spirit, you know, so the, the one picture kind of shows that. Now one is, is uh, um, a chiseled body, you know, we're going to have the perfect body. And then perhaps uh, we're going to be angelic, you know, we'll be more like the angels. Maybe we're going to have wings, you know, or, or, uh, for, or maybe we just kind of blend in with the, the truth of the universe and we begin to, to be part of something that's uh, large, you know, the whole universe. These ideas um, are out there, but as I said, we get our truth from God's Word and in each one of those, it actually addresses, it says things that would show how those, those are not correct, or, or maybe one of them is. You know, let's see what God's Word says. And today, we're going to find the answer from two places. And one, it's going to be here in Corinthians, it's going to be Paul, it's going to be his teaching. And I'm going to show you that, you go all the way back to the early church, they were asking some of the same questions. 1 Corinthians 15 says, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? So they were interested in the answers to this question long ago. Uh, what kind of body is, is, are we going to have? And so Paul is going to give us some, some great answers today from 1 Corinthians 15. In fact, right off the bat, you could see, uh, How are the dead raised? And, and he says, First, you have to die. You can't have a resurrection if you're not dead, you know, which is an interesting way to, to first, first step in answering the question. Um, you're not raised to life if you're already alive. You, and uh, we'll talk about that in a different sermon, but today what we're looking at is when we're resurrected, what kind of body do we have? And he gives us the first part there, first you must die, but not only Paul but our other place we're going to get answers from comes from Christ. Jesus will give us examples. Look what Paul says in Philippians uh, 3. The Lord Jesus Christ will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. So there's a truth in Scripture that says we will be like Christ. Meaning not just holy uh, not just character, but his actual body. And so one way we can answer the question is we can look at, well, what was the body, resurrected body of Christ like? And get some thoughts, some ideas, some truths to answer the question. Um, 
And Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven, but we're waiting on the Savior, and He will transform our bodies, lowly bodies, to be like His glorious body. So here, we're going to take off in 1 Corinthians 15, if you're with me, and he says, starting in verse uh, 37, it will be the same body, but different. Verse 37 says, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain, but God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. And so, the very first thought in answering what will our eternal body be like, Paul goes to this idea about a kernel, some type of grain. It goes into the ground, but it comes up something different. It's the same thing, but different. And so there's this transformation that's going to happen. Just like the seed goes into the dirt, the body goes into the ground, but what comes out, it's the same, but different, right? So just, and I know sometimes we have kids in our services, just to get this ingrained in your head, I got a special slide here. Uh, this is what's going to happen. There you go. We're going to transform. Transformation. The same, but different. A sunflower seed goes in, it comes out, beautiful. It's, it's, it's the same, but different. It's more magnificent. It's a corn of... A piece of corn comes up a stalk. It's tall. It's, and this is the idea. What goes into the ground, it comes out. But there's a transformation that happens. There's something that happens to the body that makes it different, more magnificent. But as we walk through this, this is the idea I want you to get. There is this transformation, but it is the same body. Now, as we work through this, we're going to see... Paul answered the question, right? This transformation. In verse 42, he says it, it's going to go from perishable to imperishable. So in verse 42, he says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. And the word sow is just like a seed. It's put into the ground. You cover it up, you know, with, with the dirt. And when we die, we go into the ground just like that. But what goes into the ground, he says, is perishable. But what comes out, and this is the transformation, it's imperishable. And this word imperishable gives us the, the idea, the thought, the truth. Indestructible. It's a body that will last forever. It doesn't wear out. It doesn't age. It doesn't degrade. And as I look across the room, we, there's a lot of us in here, we, we know what this is talking about, right? Now, I am 50. I turned 51 this fall, and I'm reaching that point where this is more real to me than it's ever been. I start to feel it in my knees, you know, my joints. I went hiking with my daughter just a few weeks ago, and I could feel the, the I'm going to jump from this rock to that one over there, and then I land on it, and I'm a little wobbly, and I just don't have the agility that I used to have. And as we get older, our body changes, right? This is part of the effect of Adam's sin, that when Adam sinned, death comes into the world. And our bodies, by that uh, nature now, are not going to last forever. We will die. We're in the process. I'm sorry, some of you right now, you're in the process of dying. Yet you are. You know, Some of you are young, and you're on the way up, and it's young, and vitality, and, and youthfulness. And that, that leads me to the next question here. 
Uh, what age will we look like in heaven? So, Pastor Kevin, if I'm old and I die and I go into that ground, I come up, you know, how old will I look? You know, and that's an interesting question. And I have to tell you, there's not an exact answer to that. This is, as we go through the heaven series, sometimes the Bible specifically gives you an answer. Other times, it doesn't give us a specific answer. Sometimes we get to an answer by looking at some other truths and we can get an idea about something. A lot of Bible scholars have ideas on this. I heard one Bible scholar say that, uh, well, Jesus was 30, 33 in that age, age range. That's what we're going to be, you know. But that's their thoughts on it, you know. I think a, a good way to answer it is to think of it this way, that because things like aging and the, the knees were starting to wear out, these things are tied to the effects of Adam's sin and the curse. Now, we looked last week at a verse out of Revelation right at the very end where it says, there will be nothing accursed in eternity. So anything that, it, that, that comes as a result of the curse is gone. So definitely our, our bodies then would not retain any effects that are attached to the, to the curse. If you're born with a deformity in eternity, gone, made new. If you lost a limb in a war, then you get, it's made new. When you're resurrected, those things will not be there. That also means that things like as I get older, I'm losing my hair, or I, I, I'm getting wrinkles, you know. Those things are, are part of the curse as well. So, and here's where, like, you can't lay, be totally solid on it, but at what point in a person's life as they're growing does degradation begin to set in? I'm growing up, I'm youthful, but then I reach a point, and now I'm starting to see the aging, so maybe there's a cutoff point, you know, and that's what, that's what will be in heaven, mature. Because Adam and Eve, were, God made them, they were mature, will be mature, but not aged, you know. So just for fun, you know, I, I uh, what's my next slide? Just hold it there. I random Google image, uh, peak youthfulness. When you reach your peak youthfulness before that aging and degradation sets in, you know, what might we look like? What does Google say? This is what I came up with, uh, the image. If you're new to this church, this is one of our elders, uh, Jeff and Jane Jones. He, Jeff's been in this church forever, you know, so. You know, apparently some people for all eternity will be stuck with Farrah Fawcett hair and a Magnum P.I. mustache, you know, so. But uh, just having a little fun there. Uh, but that's the idea. What age, I, ca I can't say definitively, but those are some of the thoughts on that. Okay, we could take that off now. You know, we want us to look forward to heaven, right? So. Uh, <laughs> Okay, what does he say next? From dishonor to glory, verse uh, 43. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. Now, what's interesting is that this word glory here, or the, the phrase even raised in glory, it literally means brilliance, brilliance. And I go back to the verse I read at the beginning out of Philippians 3, where he said, our lowly bodies, so that's just right now, all of us in here, that's how we're described, our lowly bodies, no matter how chiseled you think you are, lowly bodies, compared to what it's going to be, lowly bodies will be conformed to the glorious body. We're going to be like Christ, like his body, to a glorious body. Now, let's just think about 
This is, again, like, how can we get at some of these thoughts? Uh, Jesus Christ, in the New Testament, there's a scene where it's called the transfiguration of Christ, where they're given a glimpse of what the, the majesty and the glory of Christ will be like. And he's standing there, and the disciples, it's like, whoa, you know, like, whoa. And, the, and there's this light that's coming from him. And then they even look, and there's two other people with him, and it's Moses and, and, and Elijah, they say. And they're all glowing, you know, with some type of light that comes off of them. Moses went in the Old Testament, to the top of the mountain, and he was with God. And when he came down the mountain, they said his face had a glow about him. And what does that mean? And the Bible says that we will be raised to glory, to brilliance. Some scholars think that we will have an effect like that, that we will have this luminescence that isn't our own, but comes from being in the presence of God, which is a thought. However, John, towards the end of the Bible, in the epistle 1 John chapter 3 says, It has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. And that's where you can land firm. Whatever Christ is like, we're going to be like Him. All the questions I want to be answered, I don't get all of them. And even John says it hasn't been completely revealed yet. But there are some things we know, and one of them is, Paul describes, we will be raised to glory. And he goes on in verse 43, from weakness to power, he says, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. A body goes into the dirt, it's weak, it's constantly struggling throughout its life against nature, against diseases, against aging. It's going to die. Nobody beats death. It's weak, but it will be raised in power. Now, one writer described this as when we come out of the grave, we will come out as power personified. Now, what exactly does this mean? I mean, in one sense, as a pastor, I say this can point to the fact of it's, it's going to be eternal because it will not age. It, will not, it won't die. Uh, it, a word I think about is indefatigable or indefatigable is, is, is its pronunciation. It doesn't weary. It doesn't, it doesn't get worn out through the striving of life uh, in that sense. But then there's something more. I'm just going to give you a little bit because I'm going to come back to this. But power, if we're going to be like Christ, you know, Christ did some incredible things in that resurrected body. I mean, there's one passage where the disciples are in the upper room. They've locked the doors. They're afraid. They're hiding. And it says Jesus just appeared. He didn't have to use the door. He just came in and appeared. Whoa, almost fell off there. And what does that mean about us? Okay, let me come back to that, but i just throw that out there, because here in this moment, from weakness to power, and he goes on to say, from natural to spiritual, it is shown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Now, you might say, Pastor, what's the difference? What's the difference between a natural and a spiritual body? Because sometimes the thought is one is physical and the other is spiritual. I mean, the Greek word pneuma 
spirit can also mean wind, and we think of it as being immaterial, but that's not the case. It is physical, but spiritual. What is the difference then? Well, in th- right here, what I'll tell you is that the basic difference between natural bodies and spiritual bodies is that one is at home on earth and the other is at home in heaven. Our spiritual bodies will welcome control of the Spirit, no longer having to contend with the flesh. See, one of the issues about your body right now is it struggles with sin nature. Okay, that's one of the other effects of Adam's sin. Not only does death come into the world, but sin, and sin permeates your thoughts, uh, your emotions, your reactions. Imagine a spiritual body doesn't have to contend with the sin nature, and it's in tune with the Spirit. Paul writes, you know, don't be drunk with wine, but be controlled by the Spirit. In the same way that a person who drinks too much wine is controlled, his judgments, his thoughts affected by the wine. He says, be controlled by the Spirit. You should be affected, controlled, led by the Spirit. Well, that's what a spiritual body is. A spiritual body is led by and controlled by the Spirit. Another writer I was reading, a great point was made about, have you ever had a time in your life where, where, like from this point to that point, you just, you, you feel like you were in tune with the Spirit. You were led by the Spirit. The, the words that came out of your mouth, the thoughts, just in that time, brief period, I mean, we all end up, uh, we can't get it right forever, but if you had a moment like that, it's, that could be a taste of what it means to be led by the Spirit in a spiritual body in heaven. That's, to me, one of the best parts about it. This new body, not having to contend with sin in that way. And then lastly, it will be like Christ's resurrected body. Now, this is a little bit longer section, but follow with me here. Verse 45 Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the, the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have, been, have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. And there he's saying, we bear the image of Adam. He's a man of dust. Well, so are all of us. If you die, you go into that ground, you become dust. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. The common saying at funerals, right? But Christ, if we are in him, in the future, what he's saying is we will be, bear his image. And so that tells you something, right? Which is we will be like him. It's another place. There's just multiple places where it says we will be like Christ, not just in nature or character, but 
what is his body like? And so that leads me to the, to the next point. See, the first, the first place to get an answer, what will our body be like? We go to Paul and we see some of his teachings. The second area we're going to go to is to look at resurrection appearances of Christ and see, well, what was he like? What was his body like? And we could get an idea then about answering, what will our body be like? Because the Bible's saying we're going to be like him. So, uh, point two, the resurrection body is an example. Now, let me just, we're in, we were in 1 Corinthians 15, but if you go backwards to verses 20 to 23, look what Paul says. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The word fallen asleep there is the way he describes those who have died. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Now, the thing I want to draw out of that is this word that he uses there, firstfruits. Now, you should remember that. Christ is known as the first fruits of resurrection. The first kind of resurrection, unlike any other resurrection that's ever happened. Because there were some. I mean, Lazarus, when Jesus was on earth, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out of the tomb. That was, he, he was made alive, right? Except that guy, Lazarus, when he came out, died again. He didn't live forever. He didn't have, he didn't come out and have the body that we just talked about. Jesus is the first fruits of a different kind of resurrection that we will all experience. And it's important to make note of that. It's like one of the other sermons I was telling you about my mulberry bush, right? And how we're waiting for the, for the mulberries and how my wife's planted all these, these trees and we're always waiting for fruit. And then when you're waiting for fruit, something exciting happens when you see the first fruit. I remember somebody came in and said, there's a mulberry. I went, there it is, there's a mulberry. What does that mean? That means more mulberries are coming. See that? That's the first mulberry. Jesus is the first fruits of resurrection. The first and more will be coming. You know, some it's like avocados. I still haven't had that. I'm waiting for the day for someone to come in and say, there's an avocado on the tree. So I can go, yes, more avocados coming. And this is how it is with Christ. When he rose from the dead, he was the first kind of resurrection that will now bring forth other resurrections in his manner, like him, like his body. Now, what do we see and learn then? Well, the first point I want to say here is it was a real body. What was Jesus' resurrected body like? It was a real body. The, the disciples, even so close to the time of the resurrection, had doubts themselves. And Jesus, when he came to see them in Luke 24, he said, See my hands and my feet? It is I, myself, touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. That is significant. You cannot think of, of it as ghostly without anything material. He is specifically saying flesh and bone. Ghosts don't have that. I have that. And you know what? Touch me. You can touch a physical body. And he was saying, touch me. Proof. And, and he's even referencing 
the hands and the feet because only days earlier, right? He had been nailed there and nailed there. And it's like, look, put your hand there. He went to Thomas, put your hand right there. Touch and feel, it's me. And so it's important to know that it's a real body. If it's not the same real body, then we have a problem. Somehow death still has a measure that it's one. But the fact that it's the same body is perhaps most attested to by the empty tomb. The body that went in that tomb came out alive. And you go and it's not there, we know then that the Jesus here that's talking, that's saying, touch me, it was the same Jesus, the same body. This is why death does not have ultimate victory over us because we will be alive. It will be conquered. We will beat it. If it's not the same body, where is it? Or, or somehow death has a hold and, and is winning. But it's not. It's the same body. The same body that goes into the grave comes out. Secondly, I'm going to tell you, when we look at the appearances of Christ, He was recognizable. He was recognizable. And I put a couple... There's, there's too many illustrations for my slides, but the one I chose was um, Mary when he's at the grave and he's having this conversation with, with Christ, doesn't realize it's him. I mean, you've got to imagine it was not even on her mind, right? She's going there. There's, it's where her, her beloved Savior was buried. He's dead. She saw him brutally killed on the cross. She has no anticipation or expectation that she's going to see him there alive. And then he's talking with her, right? And then suddenly she realizes it's him, and she says, Rabboni. She recognized him. It took her uh, a moment, but she recognized him. It wasn't like, well, you're not Jesus. Like, I walked around with you for a lot of years. That's not you. No, she recognized him. Now, I, there's a thought here, which is, you know, the, the oldest member in our church is Wanda. I can't remember how old is she? She's 90, 96, right? I have only known Wanda in the decade that I've been here. I, I, I don't know her as her young self. And someday in eternity, I may walk up to her and she says, Pastor Kevin. I'm like, who are you? She's like, Wanda. Oh, I see it now. I, I didn't recognize you, you know? Uh, when we get to heaven and we don't have the wrinkles and all, all our hairs back, you know, it's like, maybe, I know somebody had a hallelujah there, but it's like, um, now, now I recognize, you know, the, the recognition, maybe we haven't seen him, and there's a measure of that. And I think, you know, with Mary in particular there, the, her last uh, images is brutality upon him, the, the scarred body of, of the Savior that she loved. And suddenly, that's, that's not there. Now, I put here too, uh, this is a thought I'm going to give you, Matthew 17, 1 through 11. I'm not going to read it. This is the transfiguration of Christ I referenced earlier. And what's interesting, remember I, I was saying to you, uh, light, it's glory. It's like, wow, they're seeing Christ, a few, the, the, the the, the powerful, holy king, not just the earthly man, they're, they're getting a glimpse of that. But then here's the disciples, and what do they say? Look who's with him, Elijah and Moses. Now, here's the question. 
How did they know that? They never, they've never seen him. I mean, in your mind right now, what does Moses look like? You've never seen him. What does Elijah look like? You've never seen him. How did they know? And so there is a thought amongst biblical scholars that one of the aspects of our new body is, is, is this I, I, identifiability. I don't know how that works, but they know that we, that we have a knowledge like that. Now, one of the things I'm trying to lay out here is it's a real body, and it's recognizable. By the way, the same person, you can't have your name written in the book of life if it's not the same body, same person, different identity, right? I mean, you have the same identity. It's the same person because you're written in the book of life. I have mentioned, I think, in the first sermon that later in the summer, we're going to go and and uh, Missy's mother passed away, and we're going to see her family, and so we've, we've booked tickets, and we, we've rented this car, and there's a reservation for those things. And when you show up, it's like, I need to see an ID. Well, what if, well, I've changed, you know, I, uh, I have a different identity now. You know, I'm like, I'm like this person's name and another look, and I, I'm a totally different person. Well, that's not what we got here. We got Kevin Elwell. I need to see an ID that shows me that you're Kevin Elwell. If it's not the same, if you're not the same person, if you have some other different identity, how do you have accountability? The Bible says at the end, the books are open and, and there's a record of everything we've done. How do you have accountability if there's somehow, it's not the same body that gets resurrected? How do you have rewards? There's rewards in heaven. One of the sermons we're going to go over is like heaven's Oscars, like if, you're, if you are a believer in Christ, the Bible says there is no condemnation for you, but there are rewards. You could get rewards. Well, how do you have rewards then if it's not the same person? Do you see what I'm driving at? It's important. It's important that you recognize that Christ defeated death. It's appointed unto man to die once, and then comes judgment. We get one life to live, and there will come a day where the dead body that's put into the dirt like that kernel that Paul said. It comes out transformed, something different. It's the same, but it's different. And then rewards, judgment, it depends on what your faith in Christ has been. Now, something else about Christ, he ate food, right? Ghosts don't eat food. He goes into your room and just falls out onto the ground. Yeah, I don't know, right? But he ate food. Luke 24. While they were still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, that's Christ, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it. And this was part of, of his way of showing them he's real. I'm really here. Touch me. Give me some food. I'll eat it. But this is also important because we, we know when we talked about the heavenly city, it says that the tree of life is there and the fruit of that tree brings healing, that there is eating. There is eating in eternity. Now, couple that truth with this thought. Eating in eternity is different because right now our eating is still, we have to contend with the flesh. Most of us want to eat probably too much. And some of us, maybe we eat too little because we're trying to look a certain way. Things like uh, eating disorders, 
they're not part of eternity. And so we're, it's, in, in one sense, eating in eternity is so much better because we don't, it, we don't contend with the flesh and the sin. And what we eat is itself not affected by sin. I'll talk a little bit about this next week in the new earth. But, I mean, have you ever, we can all relate to this. Like, have you gone to Payless and, and, and you buy some tomatoes and then you eat them and you go, well, you know, that's a tomato? And then you like go back to the States. And I remember we went back to Montana and we're at a farmer's market and it's like fresh. And it was just grown down the road and you pick it and you're like, wow, that's a tomato. I mean, the best tasting food, fresh, close to the farm, still is not as good as what it will be in eternity. It will have its full flavor. It's not grown in dirt that is cursed. Do you see that? However, I'm kind of scooting to the side here. The point is, what will our body be like? And one of the points is, is we will eat. There will be feasts and 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 celebrations. I mean, one of the first things we do is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Just like the bride and groom get married, they have a big feast. That happens. So, we see uh, it's a real body. It's recognizable. He ate food. We're going to eat food. And what about memories? This is a common question. This has already been asked to me. Will we have memories? Will we retain our memories? And there's a couple ways to answer this. You can actually look at some other passages on it, but I'm trying to answer it today specifically from the context of Christ in that we are going to have a resurrection body like His. And the thing you see with Christ was memories. The resurrected body was not like clean slated. The resurrection body still had memory. And one of the ways I I show this is Jesus deals with people in very personal ways, drawing on his previous knowledge of them. And there's ways that you can see this. He approaches Mary in a specific kind of way, in the way he's talking with her. Before the, the cross, Peter denies Christ three times. After the resurrection, Jesus comes to Peter. With knowledge of that, he comes to him and approaches him three times. One time, for each time that he denied Christ, he comes to him and asks him a question. Will you, do you love me? Will you feed my sheep? Do you love me? Feed my lambs. And there's a way in which he's reinforcing him as a counter to the exact number of times that he denied him. That Christ shows that the way that he dealt with people in personal ways goes back to what he remembers and knew about them before that. Now, there are other ways that I can demonstrate that we will have memories. I mean, already in this lesson, the, the fact that we have, have our names that we still know is, is, is also a, another way. But later in the series, we'll look at some other passages that demonstrate that. But as far as Christ goes, is where we're seeing it. Now, um, <clears throat> the last point on this that I'm going to put for today is It's a little more fantastic, incredible. He passed through a door and he just disappeared. Do you know these stories? I already gave you the one. They're in the upper room. The doors are locked. Nobody can get in. They're hiding. They're afraid. And suddenly, he's there. 
So he just just appeared? He, the locked door didn't stop him? Another time he's walking down the road talking to guys. And then they recognize who he is, right? And then all of a sudden, phew, he's gone. And so the question is, does that apply? Because see, it's really easy for us to go, well, he ate, well, we're going to eat. But then he passed through walls. Are we going to, that's a little bit harder for me to say yes to, right? And so I'm just going to tell you my, you know, as a pastor and in my studies, I, I lean towards a yes on that. I can be comfortable with it, but um, then I circle back to what John said. John said it hasn't been totally revealed yet. Okay, so there's some in what, what we can know very firmly. But when it, when it numerous times says we're going to be like him, then we look at what he was like and we try to gauge that and say this, is, this has given us some idea about what we'll be like. Now, these are the two things we've looked at to answer the question, what will our body be like? One was the teachings of Paul. The other was the life of Christ as examples. And what I'm going to do at the end here is what kind of focus do you have now? What does it mean for us right now in our life? And I just had a thought, there's two kinds of people up here pictured. There's one guy, he's got all the muscles. Now, this is not a resurrection body yet. This is just right now in our life. Maybe, you know, which, which one? The guy on the left here with the muscles, do you know what kind of discipline it takes to achieve that? Not just going to the gym and working out, but what you eat, the diet that you have. There's a lot of discipline. Now, on the other side here, I've got a more Gandalfian type of guy who's, who's disciplined in other areas of life, who's studious. He's in the library. He's, he's, he's uh, mastered certain things. You know, there's wisdom and knowledge there. And you see with age too in the picture, I'm just trying to, to, to put two, two uh, types of focuses in this life. And the reason I'm doing that is because the last point I want to give you comes out of 1 Timothy, where Paul says this, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And there's a big emphasis that Paul makes here between those two types of, of ways that you can invest in yourself in this life. It even breaks down into two points. Number one, while bodily training is of some value, it's true. It is of some value. I've already said, I struggled to jump from this rock ledge over to that rock ledge as, as I'm getting older. So the value is I, I want to be able to go on hikes with my daughter so I'm going to the gym and I work out because I want to retain flexibility and mobility and functionality. To be healthy also means maybe I live longer. I can do more with my life that way. There is some value, Paul says, but, the, but the, what undercuts all that value is this. No matter how chiseled you can get yourself to look, you will lose it. You cannot keep it. No one can. Everyone in this room will age, degrade, and die. Sorry. It's true. And so in a way, it's like all this effort for something that eventually will be lost. 
Okay, now, um, he then goes on to say then, the second part, go to the slide that has one and two. Godliness, here's the second. Now, look where it says the word while. This is a word that relates to time. Right now, this time that we're living, two focuses there, and he's contrasting them. While we're alive, bodily training has some value, but while we're alive, godliness is of value in every way. And he gives us two specifics. It, it, it holds promise for the present life. If you can discipline yourself to be godly, it affects your physical health as well. It can keep you from struggling with depression. It doesn't, I'm not saying absent. It can prolong your life by perhaps keeping you from sinful habits that could lead to destructiveness in your life. I mean, right now, it has a, a value to it, uh, but it also holds promise for the life to come. So right now in this life, how can we be an overcomer of all the struggles that are out there? Godliness. Physical exercise won't have the same application. Godly discipline, godly exercise will. It takes a lot of discipline, I said, to get that chiseled body, but it also takes a lot of discipline to get a chiseled, spiritual, mature person. The same way that I have to be conscious of the, what I input into my body to, for physical, the food, the, the calories, the protein that's going to build me up. I have to also have the discipline to input into my body the right kinds of things to build me up spiritually to be an overcomer in a world that seeks to devour you. How can we fill the God vacuum that's inside of us? We already said in the first lesson that God has put eternity in your heart. That means that deep down inside, you know you're made for something more than what this life can offer. And I can take everything the life has to offer, sex, money, drugs, and try to put it into that vacuum, and it will not satisfy it. Physical exercise will not fill the vacuum. Might temporarily. Spiritual exercise will. So, what kind of bod do you have in heaven? Young and fit. Let's look at the guy. This is the guy who he's exercising. He gets the body. He's disciplined. He dies. He's a believer in Christ. When he gets there, he's young and fit with no curse, imperishable. He's clean and brilliant in appearance, glory. He's full of energy and active power. He's 100% in step with the Holy Spirit, spiritual. Now let's look at the guy who maybe is less disciplined in his fitness, but has been godly disciplined in his life. He dies, he goes to heaven. What kind of body does he have? Young and fit with no curse. He's imperishable, clean and brilliant in appearance, glory, full of energy and active power, 100% in step with the Holy Spirit. What are you saying, Pastor Kevin? I'm saying that everybody in this room, in terms of the body, gets the same. All of those things I just described, all of us. So what's the next slide? I just kind of show it. The guy on the left, the Gandalf guy, becomes the guy on the right, the Baywatch guy. The, the question is then, how do you spend your time? 
because you can become consumed trying to be Baywatch. Now, I said, it's great to have a balance. So I tried to find a picture that has balance. You know, my next slide is more balanced. He's got some muscles, but I gave him a, a graduation cap. You know, so he's, he's, you know, using his mind as well. He's not all about the muscles. He's also, you know, applying himself. Sorry, it's the best pictures I could find. You know, I can only, I can only put Jeff up there once in a sermon. So what kind, what, what, what kind of body do you have now? This is, the, this is where I'm going to land this, okay? Stick with me. Faithful now, given more then. Do you remember that? Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with much. I'm going to give you even more as you go into eternity. See, that's, that's, that's a different kind of discipline. Different kind of discipline. It's not, well done, you became a chiseled physical specimen. I'm going to give you more. No. It's, did you invest in the right things that had spiritual value? You did good with what I gave you. I'm going to give you more. Treasure has been stored for then. What does Christ say? Lay up your treasures where? In heaven. It demonstrates godly discipline. You're thinking through things in this life. Godliness now equals rewards then. I already told you we're going to do a sermon on heaven's Oscars, on all the, the rewards that you possibly can get. If you get a reward, that means there's some godly discipline now that's happening. And then lastly, I wanted to put here, transforming starts now. Yeah, we had the transformer. When, when it comes out of the ground, there's going to be a transformation. The same, but different. But even now, transforming should be going on. Paul writes in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. The transforming just doesn't happen at the end. It, it, it starts even now. And on this note, John Piper said that we need to consciously resist conformity to the spirit of this age. And it takes godly discipline to do that. The transforming and the renewing starts now, not just in the future. Moody, D.L. Moody, famous preacher, said the ship belongs in the water, but if water gets in the ship, it sinks. Meaning, as a Christian, the spirit of the age is out there like a ship in water. We're out there, but we can't let the water in. We can't let the spirit of the age come in here because eternity matters. We can't get pulled off. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to salvation. And so the way I just thought about landing this was to try to encourage us. Yes, there is this hope of eternity that is magnificent, incredible. And, but right now in this age, we need to begin the transforming up here to conform ourselves to God's Word because the spirit of the age is out there. If you are somebody who struggles with, you look at the world and you're like, oh my word, it's going to hell in a handbasket. You know, we're doomed. Trust me, people feel like that sometimes. But that's the spirit of the age. That's not the spirit of God's children, His family. We know 
how it ends. The king's on the throne. That's the spirit that we need to, to imbibe. And we keep that with our godly discipline here and here. Yeah, go to the gym, work out, be fit, but do not do it at the expense of godly exercise and discipline because the world needs fit spiritual Christians more than anything else. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for the challenges that we get from it. And thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for the, in some ways, excitement that we see that death does not have victory in the end. It doesn't have a hold on us because Christ defeated it. He took it for us so that we can have new life. And we look at what your word says. It, it says that one day, like a seed that goes in the ground, we'll come out something a little different, the same but a little different, the same body but, but raised in power, raised imperishable, raised in spirit. And Lord, I, I think I just take encouragement and hope in that more than anything else from this, this sermon today. And I pray that we could be committed to building into our life, not just physical exercise, but also spiritual exercise, to be disciplined, to discern, as Paul said in Romans, as we read that verse, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Why? So we could discern and know what is the will of God so that we can imbibe the spirit of the age of the new kingdom of when Christ returns. Thank you for this. In Christ's name, amen. Let's close out as we uh, stand up and worship together.